Welcome. You're now tuned in to the Double Take Podcast. Double Take Podcast. Where we take a fresh new look at trending data and technology solutions and give you insight into what's hype and what's reality. Now, let's get to the show with your hosts, Brian O'Connor and Tommy Bliven. Welcome to Double Take, uh, presented by Pandera, where we take marketing headlines on popular data and technology solutions and try to decipher between if they're all hype or reality. And if they are in, you know, actually achievable, we help actually define and, and give you kind of insight how you achieve those solutions um, for your organization. My name is Tommy Bliven. I'm head of marketing here at Pandera, and I'm joined by... Brian O'Connor. How's it going, everyone? I am head of the solutions practice here at Pandera. So, Tommy, what's the first headline that we're going to get into? All right. So for today's headline, um, actually, it's a popular topic. Um, actually, it's been pretty popular for the past three to five years. But I think since the recent pandemic, um, it's actually spurred more interest and accelerated um, kind of the, 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 the interest for organizations to, uh, to implement this. So it's actually supercharge your marketing with AI and ML, right? So I think... With the pandemic, it's introduced new set of challenges, you know, when it comes to engaging with your customers in a virtual environment, um, creating more personalized experiences um, digitally, um, but then also understanding their behaviors, right? I don't think personally these have been new challenges. I think the pandemic actually accelerated um, the desire and the need to start looking into AIML. Um, so, for me personally, I have two perspectives on this, right? I believe AI and ML can supercharge your marketing by be, by creating a more efficient and automated system um, for marketers and, and for organizations to engage with their customers. I think I saw a recent stat um, that said 85% of customer service interactions um, were actually performed by a chat bot in 2021. Like at first, I'm like, there's no way. But then I look back at, as far as for all the engagements that I've been a part of online or even over the phone or, or whatnot, they are all pretty much automated now. And, and I think most people now are more comfortable actually corresponding with the chat bot um, and getting, getting answers a lot quicker. So I think it's, it helps that part. On the other hand, you know, as a marketer myself, speaking with other marketers, um, I do know that they are not fully confident as far as for with their data um, that they currently have and leveraging that data to make decisions. Um, so that application of, of ML uh, to become more data driven, I don't necessarily think it's hype as far as for the capabilities of the technology and the use cases, but I think it's it's hype when it comes to being able to do that really quickly in, in, in today's organization, how they're structured and so forth. So I'd be interested to hear your your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, when we think about chatbots, it's one of those things that we kind of take for granted now in 2021, in the sense that it's in our everyday life. I can just go right into Siri and say, hey, Siri, you know, look this up for me, right? Or translate something. Even now that I'm talking today, she's, you know, pulling up on my computer, right? right. Um, now, that's something that just in the background is very complex and difficult algorithms to actually uh, build out, right? But 
for me to have access to that today, there's I could just download a click of a button, right? And if I'm an organization, for me to access that today, I can you know invest in Dialogflow, which is a Google product, or I can invest in uh, IBM Watson, right? And you know, bada bing, I have a chatbot, right? And then from a you know customer service or even marketing perspective, um, that could say, hey, I'm an AI-driven company, right? Which is an interesting take, right? Um, however, that's not as much into you know when we look at that headline of supercharger marketing with AI and ML. Um, sure, chatbot or you know these different types of technologies that do have AI or machine learning in the background. Um, you know, sure, those are powerful, right? But when I think about marketing and every single time that I talk to a marketer, you know, the common questions that come across us is basically, how can I um, better measure my ROI or marketing execution, right? It's always, and Tom, you're a marketer, so you probably are thinking this as well. Um, we're always asking questions like, should I invest more in Google ads versus Facebook ads? Or uh, should I you know, host an in-person event versus a digital event? Right? Should I create a um, positive sentiment in my messaging versus maybe a neutral sentiment? Mm -hmm. Right? Should I target this se segment versus that segment with this messaging? Right? Like, there's all these different factors, mm -hmm. um, and I could go on and on with these type of questions. Right? Um, you know, one thing that these all have in common is they're very comparative statements um, in order for marketing teams to be able to understand, you know, what's working versus what's not. Right. Right. So when I think about machine learning and, you know, just even go back to the topic of supercharger marketing with AI ML, I think about how do I help these marketing firms or business units answer these types of questions. Right. Now, what's funny is you don't really need ML or AI to uncover answers to these questions. Right. At least initially, what you really need is a strong marketing data and attribution strategy. So by that, it means for every single digital channel and content that you have out there, you have a tag governance strategy in place. Um, you know, for any of your emailing campaigns, you need to make sure that you're understanding the efficiency and being able to look at the conversion rates um, in your email campaigns. Um, and then when we think about those more traditional uh, in-person events or maybe even affiliate marketing, right? Make sure that you have... Uh, you know, a coupon or promotional code set up. That way we can track where our customers are come from, allowing us to measure the ROI, right? Um, what's the beauty of that is you don't really need machine learning. So when I see a headline like this, you know, I think data strategy first and then machine learning second. Um, and that's where, you know, once you have a strong data strategy and a foundation where you have unified data ready to do analysis on, that gives you the opportunity to now, um, successfully use machine learning for maybe some advanced attribution modeling, uh, potentially analyzing customer data with, you know, go back to chatbots. I can now identify trends from our chatbot interactions because now I know what our customers are asking for. Maybe our frequently asked questions are changing over time, right? And then also in parallel, you can do use machine learning to, uh, you know, really mine the mm -hmm. side world, right, outside of your company to detect those emerging topics, which be able to aid your marketing communication. So there's a place for machine learning. Um, but like I said, it really comes down to like your marketing data strategy first. Yeah. And I, I think that was kind of, you know, my perspective partially as well. Like 
you, when you look at supercharge your marketing with AIML, it just sounds like there is an easy button that exists, right? Tell me what to mm -hmm. do here, optimize this. Um, so I, I, in a sense, I don't think it's foolproof, but I think there's only one way to, to see how viable that is. Huh? <laughs> well, what's funny is you're going to see like a lot of these vendors, right? So we think third-party vendors. So go back to the chatbot example, or maybe even it's, you know, uh, CDP, right? Where they're saying, hey, you can unify all your data. The vendors are probably the ones with this headline, supercharge your marketing with AIML, because they want you to purchase a SaaS product that is going to be almost hands-off as a marketer, because they're not technical staff. They want to be hands-off, right? Um, mm -hmm. But even those third-party vendors, if the data isn't there, all of a sudden they're at machine learning. It doesn't exist, right? And if, you know, that's where I think a lot of these headlines are coming from. So it could be hype, but um, you know, if you have a good data strategy, it becomes very, very realistic. All right. Well, I think um, we have somebody who can possibly help help us with that. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, so as our first guest of the show, since it's the first podcast. Well, we're going to bring in Michael Arango, who's the data science director here at Pandera. Um, you know, hopefully he could shine some light on whether or not supercharging your marketing with AIML is feasible. And, you know, potentially if it is feasible, what is the path to, you know, putting this solution into practice? Awesome. Well, let's uh, see if we could get him on the line. As promised, we have director of data science from Pandera, Michael Arango. Welcome, Michael, to Double Take. <laughs> Thanks, Tommy uh, and Brian, for having me on the show today. Really excited to be Double Take's first guest speaker. Uh, really appreciate you guys choosing for uh, me to talk with you today about uh, whether transforming marketing with AI and ML is all hype or if it's really feasible. Um, and if it is feasible, uh, what are some different ways organizations can get started? So thanks again, guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And welcome. So... And, and, and partially this is because of marketers like myself, right? Creating these headlines, trying to build hype. So when you see a headline like supercharge your marketing with AI ML, um, what's the first thing comes to mind um, as a director of data science and having to, you know, really manage expectations of clients um, and, 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 you know, just for as far as for the general public and being responsible with what you're empowered with. You know, that, that's a great question, Tommy. Um, and I, I think the hardest part, uh, you kind of hinted at it, is managing expectations uh, with clients, right? Um, and so I know it's difficult when we talk about AI and ML to discern whether uh, it's all hype or if a certain product is really just smoke and mirrors. Because uh, AI has become this big social buzzword, right? We hear it everywhere we go. Um, and AI services are in great demand, right? We have people reaching out to us constantly every single day uh, for work in that space. But it's really difficult to discern whether it's, you know, the hype is real uh, because we all have varying levels of background knowledge uh, on how this technology works. And there's a lot of misconceptions, especially if you see how it's um, portrayed in the media headlines, right? Uh, so I'm not going to dig too deep into this and get off topic, but in general, I just want to point out that AI and ML can uh, basically solve any problem given sufficient data quantity and quality, right? Um, and those are important things to remember. Uh, so recent advances in things like transfer learning have reduced data quantity constraints um, a little bit in certain domains, but for the most, most part, uh, most use cases, the key determinant in whether AI or ML is going to be able to solve your problem uh, successfully is data quantity and quality. 
Um, and so oftentimes when we engage uh, with new clients to solve a problem uh, in the data science practice with AI and ML, uh, we first have to actually look at the data infrastructure and transform it to consolidate and integrate many siloed data sources all into one common data platform for downstream consumption. Um, I'm sure we're all familiar with the adage garbage in, garbage out, but same thing applies in machine learning. If we have uh, an algorithm, it's only going to be as good as the data that we pass into it. Would you, would you say, you kind of hear these stats all the time. Um, I think it's either 85 or 95% kind of in that range where AI projects fail, right? Or they don't make it to production. Yeah. You see that in headlines all the time. Um, you say that you know, the underlying infrastructure or data to support it is the main cause of why projects would fail, especially in the marketing space? Yeah, I, I think there's a few reasons. Um, and I, I think we may touch on this a little later, so I'm not going to dive too deep, but I definitely think one of the major contributing factors to that is lack of a sufficient data infrastructure to appropriately scale. And, and when you say data infrastructure in the terms of marketing, is that making sure that we have unified data, being able to marry our data sources together? So if I have, um, let's just say I have my digital data assets, right, coming from potentially something like Google Analytics, I have our campaign data coming from potentially like a campaign manager, we have CRM data coming from Salesforce, would you say the biggest data infrastructure challenge is pulling those all into a unified view for us to do analysis on as a data scientist? 100%, Brian, you hit the nail on the head. I'd say that uh, aggregating and combining all those data sources into one holistic view is oftentimes the most difficult part of the process when we first engage with a new client in the marketing intelligence space. Awesome. All right. And, and so I think as, as a marketing leader and, and, you know, running a marketing department, when we look at AI ML, and I brought this up to Brian, it's like we supercharge your marketing with AI ML. It sounds like there's an easy button that exists, right? So um, I think we, we realize that's definitely not true, but what's the closest thing as far as we, if we look at low effort, high value use cases, right? So it's something that you can easily start with if, if applying AI or ML um, to your marketing data or, or to what you're looking to achieve. What are some like low effort, high value use cases that are more realistic, like to help manage expectations of like how to get your, your feet wet when it comes to AI ML in your marketing? Yeah, so um, when I hear supercharge your marketing with AI and ML, right? I think uh, let us help your marketing team work smarter, not harder, right? Um, and so, of course, that's kind of relative to where your company's at in its current marketing analytics maturity level, right? Um, but I think they're, depending on where a company is, uh, and there's many different uh, places across that continuum of maturity, uh, there's a lot of um, low effort, high value ways to go about that, right? So uh, whether it's in the content uh, personalization space, right? So uh, the simplest approach would be customer segmentation. If you're a little more advanced, it'd be uh, content personalization. Uh, and where we're headed to currently uh, and in the next few years is content individualization, right? Personalizing content to individual users rather than hyper-targeted personalization groups, right? To dynamically serve all of that content, right? Another place I see it uh, happening is in the marketing campaign attribution space. Uh, so just, it can be as simple as looking at the bounce rate to see, um, 
customer interaction with your content uh, and the success of those campaigns. And it can go all the way across the spectrum to multi-channel media mix marketing attribution analysis to figure out specifically uh, which of your campaigns are working, uh, which are the ones that are um, responsible for customers buying your uh, product, uh, so to speak. Uh, and then at the end of the day, uh, cross-referencing all of that to come up with an optimal budget spend across those different channels, right? Yeah, yeah. and it, it, it's definitely interesting to hear that those are, you know, actually low effort, high value. I mean, when we say low effort, it's like no effort, but it's it's something that you can get started with that can hold, truly transform how you market today, right? Because you're, you're serving um, your customers by delivering personalized interactions, right? And, and I think we all know that in today's digital landscape, we all demand that personalization, right? We don't want to see anything put in front of us that that we're not interested in, right? So we're, we're almost spoiled in that aspect, right? And then on the marketing side, um, being able to have that segmentation to where your efforts are optimized, right? There's the bullseye, there's the target, right? Go after that because that's the most optimal segment um, for what you're looking to promote or deliver. Appreciate that insight. Yeah, and I to go back to your original question, I don't think I ever answered it. You know, uh, caveats aside, around uh, you know whether <laughs> uh, whether the data infrastructure is in place or not, uh, I would definitely say that supercharging your marketing uh, with AI or ML uh, is definitely feasible. Uh, and I actually want to go one step further and say that you're missing out if you're not currently using AI or ML to some capacity in your marketing strategy. Uh, and to add some context around why I'd go even that far uh, is that the most recent Salesforce state of marketing study um, reported that the number of marketing teams using AI to solve their daily business needs increased from 29% in 2018 to 84% in 2020. Oh. So there's actually been a 186% increase in adoption of AI and ML in marketing teams in just the last two years. And so, like you said, Tommy, just a minute ago, combine this with uh, us as selfish consumers' expectations for an increasingly personalized experience. Uh, and it's getting clear that AI and ML is no longer uh, a luxury in your marketing strategy, but almost a necessity. Right. Yeah. Right. I think that goes back to, you know, something Tommy and I were talking earlier was really we, we got around discussing chatbots or you know, how they could be useful in uh, a marketing content. What the issue was is I think a lot of organizations are saying that because they're using a vendor that is powered by AI ML, now they are a firm that's using AI and ML as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that kind of gets us to a point where, you know, you mentioned segmentation is one, you know, marketing strategy that can use AI ML. You mentioned uh, personalized content. You mentioned attribution, right? When we think about this, would you recommend, you know, organizations to buy from a vendor that's offering that, you know, such as like a segment.io um, in the CDP space, or, you know, even Salesforce has their own built-in Einstein machine learning capabilities, or, you know, Google Analytics has machine learning segmentation capabilities, right? Would you recommend that organizations go down the route of leveraging um, what vendors provide or build it internally in a unified um, something under their control? Uh Great question, Brian. Um, I've actually thought about this quite a lot recently. 
Um, and I've, I've broken it down for myself at least into four different areas or criteria where I'd say that each company, there's no cut and dry solution, right? Uh, it's going to depend on uh, each customer or um, each company themselves uh, to kind of figure out what's best for them. But you can break it down into four different uh, key criteria areas, right? So the first one of those uh, would be cost, right? So going with a vendor or a third-party solution, uh, usually buying has a high upfront cost or some recurring subscription fee. Um, but at the same time, uh, you're estimating an in-house project. Uh, I think there's some statistic out there that like 90% of all in-house like software projects or something like that run over time and over budget. And the estimation on how over budget it goes is like on average 200%, right? <laughs> um, and so uh, you've kind of got that. And so you've got a way for yourself as a company if uh, a fixed cost and timeline of going with uh, either a commercial vendor or say third party uh, like consultant or something like that outweighs the unpredictability of uh, building a product in house, uh, even if you've estimated it at, you know, a certain budget that's lower than that mm -hmm. outsourced cost. Uh, the second thing I'd say is probably control. Uh, so when you go with a vendor solution, you're kind of beholden to the features that they have in a product and also their product roadmap right mm -hmm. now. Of course, they engage with their customer base to figure out what sorts of uh, features are in high demand and try to get those into the roadmap, right? They don't just go off and do their own thing. They incorporate feedback. Uh, but building software in-house means that you own the intellectual property and you can mold it to meet the specific needs of your company's requirements, right? Uh, but on the flip side, you also own all the technical debt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, really, when you think about control, uh, and I'd call this even flexibility. Um, yes, you can be as flexible as you want, uh, but there's a lot of risks with owning all the technical debt and development costs. Uh, and so in general, companies are going to have to come up with a rule of thumb here, almost like a threshold to define for themselves uh, the fit of a commercial software platform and say, uh, now this isn't exact. I'm, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. If more than say 60% of the features I need are in this commercial product, then I should buy instead of building, mm -hmm. right? Something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, so I don't know. Some people may say half, some people may say 80%, depending on, you know, the staff that they have on hand and, uh, their experience and comfort level to go with this as well. Um, third, I'd say is, uh, maybe like connectivity or extensibility, um, whatever platform you go with has to play nicely with all of your other applications and integrate into it. Right. So if you have another vendor that you use for say, uh, your marketing campaigns and your targeting, and then you've got Google ads, and then you've got, um, your own custom solution for say, um, a customer data platform, right? Uh, you need to be able to ensure that if you go with a vendor or another commercial platform, that it's going to be able to integrate into all of those other things. Otherwise, you're just going to end up in the same mess you mm -hmm. were in the first place with siloed data that can't be combined across sources without a holistic view of your customer, right? Uh, and then the last thing, uh, and I, don't, I won't go too into this because we kind of covered it already is maintenance, right? You own the cost of the maintenance if you build it, mm -hmm. right? So I think a lot of this uh, 
build versus buy decision um, really gets back to at its core um, what your budget is and what your technical maturity level is as a company mm-hmm. if you're going to be able to develop a, a full platform like this in general. Yeah, and, and I think the point you made, the third point you made as far as for you know, and for our listeners too to understand is yes, maybe these these vendors or these platform solutions um, are a short term fix, but you unplug those, you remove yourself from that, you're right back at square one, right? So, goes back to what you and Brian mentioned is like you know having the proper infrastructure, make sure data quality standards are there, and as far as for the amount of data you have, right? So, plugging into another vendor software platform um, does not fix everything, right? You still have to have that foundation um, in place. So no matter where you move to in the future, what other systems or or tools you look to add to your current stack, um, you're not back at square one. So I think that's a a very important uh, uh, point for listeners to also identify with. And it's it's also usability, right? If I'm a marketer, I'm going back and forth between multiple technologies or third-party vendors that we're working with. Um, and that's not the smoothest you know, customer experience as a marketer, right? So having something right. like that built, you can create that unified experience. Um, but like Mike said, now you're talking maintenance, build, you need the in-house expertise, right? And I don't think there's, unless, unless there's a unicorn product out there, I don't think there's anything available today that is able to you know, attach that onto your organization and all of a sudden you have unified marketing. Um, Yeah, and I'd say that that's the big uh, pro of engaging with a strategic technical partner like Pandera, right? Is that not only do we have technical experts, but we can help with the strategy. We can help with all those moving parts, right? Uh, And we we can be as flexible as you need to be. All right. Well, I think, um, Brian, you think we, we have a conclusion there? I think we do. I mean, from what I understand, right, is AI and ML can absolutely supercharge your marketing. Um, Mike confirmed that, and he thinks every organization should be using it. However, there's a 100% of prerequisite of having a data foundation in place that unifies all your marketing data. So with that, I think we have a conclusion. Please uh, tune in next week for our episode on data warehouse modernization, we're gonna take a look at the marketing headline, data warehouse modernization, fast, simple, and scalable. We'll be joined with Daniel Zagalis, who's the director of data services here at Pandera. See you then. All right, thanks, Michael. Thanks again, guys. You've been listening to the Double Take Podcast. Double Take Podcast. Presented by Cloud Now. Be sure to like and subscribe. And remember that there is no better time to move to the cloud than now.